This is Lady Jane Unknown. Today is December 12th. And I realize that today I've just been triggered, but I didn't realize I was triggered until I kind of reverted back to some behaviors that really made me question what pushed me that far. I'm not a heavy drinker. Um, I have an occasional glass of wine, you know, here and there. But I realize as I start opening up and exposing myself to more people that I feel this uneasiness inside of me that pushes me to want to drink hard liquor to just kind of take a break from my mind like aimlessly wandering and I'm not even consciously aware of it like I know something's bothering me and I do my best to kind of keep my shit together but today it was interesting because one of my tiny humans stayed home from school and I struggle because I I need time from the weekend to kind of decompress just to turn up the radio blare it you know just to let go and not worry about being anyone's mom, being anyone's good neighbor, not being polite to anyone, just turn up the radio and listen to a song and just let go. You know, and today she stayed home. And I realized after I was trying to stay away from her because I didn't want to, you know, let my shit unravel around her. I walked in and I said, what's the real reason you stayed home from school? Because you're obviously not sick. And she says... I'm not going to be able to see you. You know, once they go to their dad's, I won't see them until Christmas Day. Which also just... You know, if you have kids, you know this. They drive you crazy when they're around you, but as soon as they're gone, it's like you can't even relax because a piece of you is missing. And when she said that, I realized, like, maybe today is why she stayed home, because she kind of knew that I would be having a bad day. 
and I needed someone around. And I've noticed that about my kids. They're very sensitive to me. And they give me space. But they can also smother me. Because <laughs> there's two of them and there's one of me. And we don't have family for me to just, you know, take a break, have a night. And I've... I've wondered, like, I've been called to be this person, this mom, to the two of them, with the struggles and the burdens. I always question why. Like, how much is too much? And I can't be the only one. Maybe I'm just one who decided one night enough with enough. They deserve better. I deserve better than this. But no one's going to know unless I start speaking up about these trials and tribulations that we face. So this is the one about triggers. I'm currently outside cooking dinner in the dark. (laughs) And overwhelmed because I needed a drink. And it was the drink that made me think, what's really bothering you? And it dawned on me that when someone says to me, we're family, you know, we love you, we care about you, we just want to be here for you. They don't know what that means to me. Because the only family I've ever had has hurt me in ways unimaginable. They have loved me in the worst possible ways. In the ways that some of them are sitting in prison and thinking about the ways that they have loved me. You know, no one's talking about these complex PTSD symptoms. And I'm not even sure people are aware that that exists. It's not just complex, it's not just PTSD, it's complex because a person who has gone through multiple triggers, or sorry, multiple traumas, what happens after those traumas have passed, any trigger It doesn't just surface one event. 
it brings to the forefront every trauma and you're hit with everything so the trigger was we're here for you we love you we're your family and I'm hit with I don't want that you want to be my friend you want to be my brother in arms you can do that because that holds you to a different standard than what family has meant all of my life I don't have family for a reason. Because that has never been good for me. And I never want that type of pattern to be repeated to my children. So as I cook here... dinner on the grill which is chicken thighs seasoned well it's so easy to just kind of slip and ignore what's bothering you but it's something else to kind of think on why do I want to drink And honestly, at this moment, you know, no one talks about this other thing, that the trauma we experience, I can't prove it, but I can't actually find a doctor who's willing to do the research, but it's my hypothesis that the more trauma we experience as veterans, combat veterans, Female veterans with, you know, sexual assault. And I like an acronym, but call it what it is. It's either sexual, attempted sexual assault, sexual assault, or it's rape. It's not MST. That's the pretty little word they have for it. It makes it sound better. The more trauma affects our ability to cope every day. It's relevant symptoms of ADHD where you need, you know, forgive the expression upper or downer, you know, amphetamine being the ADHD medication of Adderall speeds up the brain. You know, sometimes you find veterans who smoke weed. What that does is it slows down the brain. Same thing as alcohol. Nobody is publicly saying that both of these effects, whether you speed it up or you slow it down, have the same effect on the brain to help help it cope, to help it actually have moments of clarity. It's a real problem and I wish they'd kind of look at the veterans who, you know, the alcohol related incidences, 
um, you know, where it progresses into drug use. It's all coping. We're trying to figure out a way to work through the triggers. You know, more pills is never going to be the answer. And I think, you know, community is a huge, huge factor in being a benefit. But where I am today, sometimes being a part of that community, it's such a trigger to me. And I don't normally read anything wrong. People are usually very clear with their intentions if you pay attention to their body language, what they say, what they do. Whether whether they're aware of whether they've triggered you, that's a different story. So, this is the one about triggers. Complex PTSD. And the triggers associated with what happens when you've been through multiple traumas. It's not just one memory that floods to the front. It's all of them, all at once. And somehow... I have to keep myself together enough to where my kids are not going to see me just want to break down and cry about everything. Because that's what it is right now. It's everything all at once. It's not that one thing that he said, the one thing he did, how he made me feel when he said it, it's all of the current life struggles, all of the burdens. And I hate asking it because I don't want to know because there's purpose for our pain. We don't go through these trials and tribulations for nothing. But it's hard because I know it affects them. And I don't want to repeat that cycle. You know, I want them to be kids. (laughs) You know, and as they're making a mess in the kitchen, trying to make cookies, and I'm trying to calm myself down with, like, all the flour everywhere. Like, I try to focus on... I made a drink. This will calm it down. Let them have fun so they remember the cookies. I hope this makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm just what I was led to talk about as I'm outside cooking chicken for dinner. Bye.
Hey, this is Lady Jane Unknown, and today is today. I always write down the dates so I can kind of keep track of whereabouts I lose myself and trying to keep up. So this episode's about, it's the one about what's actually wrong. What has gotten me to the point where I have to talk about everything that's wrong because of what's wrong today. And it seems so dumb, like so simple of an error to correct and yet it's not being corrected. And I feel, and I know deep down that there is much, there's a much bigger reason why this is happening. And I'm... Grateful, honestly, because, man, how much longer of my life was I just going to sit in the shadows and just hope nobody recognized me? Or how much longer was I going to keep hiding my voice so no one actually heard me, recognized me? I think the first episode I said, it's hard to stay small when you feel something so big inside Uh, nobody wants to fail I don't want to fail but I gotta tell you I got scared because of those voices what are they telling me they're telling me something much bigger that I have to acknowledge than just this mediocre, shitty life. That's what it's been. It's been, (laughs) you know, we go through these things for a reason. There's a reason for the season. You know, in scripture it says that we go through these seasons and they're with, there's a reason for them. Um, you can choose to acknowledge them or you can ignore them. And you will revisit. You will keep going through the same lessons until you learn it. And I have been paying attention and some of these lessons are like tidal waves And sometimes I wonder, how am I still standing here? And I don't ever want to ask why, but yeah, the question comes up like, you know, I'm no one special. Let me just throw that out there. But aren't I? Like, I must be pretty important in the spiritual realm 
realm to be constantly <clears throat> attacked with these just crazy burdens. But isn't that speaking to the times we're living in? We have to have ears to hear and eyes to see. So what got me here? You know, it's so hard to ask for help. Whether you're a veteran or not a veteran. <clears throat> We're all independent people trying to figure out our way and do the best we can. And if you have these tiny little humans which make you question like everything like do you really need that cookie because you know eating that cookie is not going to make you feel good and ultimately make you feel like shit. Like that's how I feel when I look at the cookie. <laughs> and my kids are like mommy do you want a cookie? I'm like of course I want the cookie but I know that as soon as I eat the cookie... Like I'm going to be in a bad mood because that's how sugar affects me. You have to learn these things about your body because we all experience things differently now. And being a veteran, specifically, we experience things differently. And if you don't pay attention, it adds to our suffering almost. What up? I found, figured out, like, I can't have gluten. Sugar is like, gosh, it's so amazing. And I love to bake, make these fabulous cakes for my kids. And I had such high hopes of going and finishing culinary school. But how can you do that if you're one person and you know... That your tiny humans are more important than than just trying to go to culinary school. Like, so I've put it to the side. Um, it's a whole other topic I want to address. Like, shouldn't we have more than 10 years to go to school? But I know that's my ADHD kind of taking over, trying to take us somewhere else. But this is about... What got me to this point? Asking for help and getting a roof. You know, in the previous podcast, I've talked about, <clears throat> I guess, the delay in the VA. We all know it's there, but did you know it's actually illegal what they're doing to us? Like, should it take two years for the VA to acknowledge someone's divorce? And once they acknowledge it, should it be legal for them to say, oh, we have paid you all this extra money. We're going to need all that back within 12 months and we're going to reduce your stipend. That's what happened to me. I got a divorce, already had hired, you know, just dial all nines and they're there to help because I couldn't manage filing my claim anymore because I my brain does not think like that and I had too many things happening all at once that 
Yeah, I called all nines and they stepped in. And they can have whatever percentage they want. Because that's one less thing I have to think about. Now, is it wrong that you have to hire someone? Hire an attorney to, to get what's owed to you because you are no longer functioning at 100% like when you went in. <clears throat> That's a choice you have to make. It's a lot it's a choice we often struggle with because you know they beat us in with a certain pride and the word integrity is a huge trigger to me, which I will talk about in another podcast. But the pride, like, aren't we better than that? Do we need that? We're stronger than that, right? For sure. But what can I say? I, I went as long as I possibly could. I got out October of 2007 and I knew just getting out was enough to survive. What I hadn't planned on was the reality of, like I wasn't even here, you know, I was a shell of a person. I felt like I was locked in my body. And my body would go through the motions, but I was inside, locked away somewhere, screaming. Screaming so loud. And you've heard me talk about screaming and how no one ever seems to come when you scream. Huh. I asked for help. Let me pull myself back out a little bit. I asked an organization that came to aid in a bad situation that I had found myself in. And, oh gosh, I was so happy. To be seen for once. For someone to see what came from me was standing beside me. Were these teeny tiny little girls. And they are so beautiful. But if you could have ever seen them (laughs) when they were babies... I tried. I pushed myself to go to school just so I wouldn't lose my house. Um, you know, and I, I settled for what I thought was safe. And I learned my lesson there. I did get married and um, had two amazing, beautiful These little godsends placed with me. 
They're like little bright shining beacons. And I was just like, wow. Like, you always hear about, yeah, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to have, you're going to be carrying a baby and then you're going to push him out. No, <laughs> there is a lot more to it. Um, these tiny humans are growing inside of you and there is much more of a connection that anyone could ever explain. And I speak on this because, yes, I'm a combat veteran and I realized with my first daughter, I was absent. I felt a stranger to myself. I was locked away inside and yet this thing was growing inside of me and I felt so disconnected. And I would feel her kick And I was so uncomfortable and full of pain that I just wanted it out. (laughs) And it came with a price to feel that way. I, by the time I realized that I was in labor, I kept telling myself that I wasn't and I kept pushing it off. And I can remember the the events of that day and just ignoring it, telling myself I'm okay. (laughs) And it wasn't until the contractions were one on top of the other that I said, oh my gosh. Like, I can't ignore it anymore. And before I would ever actually go to the hospital, I said, I I can't go yet. I actually have to go take a shower first because the feeling of being dirty, like, I, I needed to go take a shower. And I never actually got out of the shower because I got stuck in there because I couldn't sit up. And I was just crouched over in pain. And just trying to call out for for help. Um, And I was in there for a really long time. By the time someone came to check on me, I had to go to the hospital. Um, And I just kept thinking like how unprepared I was. It's not just a baby. It truly is just this amazing gift of light.
what happened at the hospital, um, you know, I wish it would be a better story. I really do. But that's what adds to where I am today. I went in at 6.40, 6.42 on a Sunday, a Sunday night, um, went to a local women's center here, faith-based, and I didn't have to wait an hour to be admitted because by the time I got there, they knew that I had, I was in full full-blown labor they admitted me right away and um I had no idea what was happening to me and no one was telling me what was happening I just kept bearing down like this pressure and uh <laughs> I remember all the comments speci specifically like they're so, it's such a visceral feeling to remember what they said to me and, and what that actually means to me today. Like, do you want your baby to be born in a toilet? Get off the toilet. You're fine. You need to go lay down. Um... They said it was the first time they'd ever seen someone throw up from being in labor. Um, and I just wanted to walk around and for someone to explain to me how far I actually was. I know today that I was far enough along that I shouldn't have it been administered an epidural. Um... And not just that, like, there are so many shady things that have happened that a statue of limitations can just cover up. It's, it's the band-aid for getting a person to move on. But the person who has to move on never has any closure or acknowledgement of this pain and just wrong doing. So I moved on because the statute of limitations on an actual doctor of harming a child and an adult is three years. Let me let me just tell you. Like three years. I think back on that time and I remember being locked away in my house with my daughter who was, had all these health complications. Um, and just to kind of touch base, it's in the records that she was born too late. The doctor never showed up. From the time I walked into that hospital, crouched over at 6.42 on a Sunday. She did not show up until the next morning. 
at, <laughs> it was after nine o'clock. Um, and because my memory is not great, I'm going to walk over to her picture frame so I can make sure that I get the date, the actual time correct. But I want to say it was 9, 15. It was the morning, and the very first thing she said to me was, sorry I'm late, I had a meeting. I had, I had actually been asking for a doctor all night long, and they kept telling me to take a nap. By the time she showed up in the room, I couldn't feel my hands or my legs, and multiple people actually had to hold <clears throat> hold my legs up and they kept telling me to do you know the action of pushing but what does that feel like when you can't actually feel your body there was a moment that happened on my last push there was this moment of just this feeling of despair and I just kept thinking in my mind, like, I already knew something was wrong. Like, I couldn't actually feel her, if that makes sense, on an energetic level. Like, I couldn't feel my daughter inside of me. And I just, I kept... Praying like, please don't take her away from me. Don't let her be another person you take away. I just kept saying it over before I pushed. And when she came out, she wasn't breathing. She was blue and she was purple. And I remember that it took them such a long time, but they kept working. And maybe I get my numbers mixed up with 642 checking in with 42 minutes that they took to work on her. But not at one point did anyone ever say what was happening. I just kept looking over, trying to push myself up. To look and see if she was still alive. She was. She did come back. But it took a while. And it took a toll on her. But I had to let it go after three years trying. It hurts so much. 
going and just saying the same story over and over, hoping someone actually heard what I was saying to them. Because it was wrong. Wrong in the... Just on the basis that that woman shouldn't be delivering babies. Like... But there is an amazing story to come out of this. After the first attorney we went and looked for... He said, yes, you have malpractice, but your problem is trying to prove it. And I got all the records. After every per- every place I called, they're like, it's going to be so many cents per page. And I was like, I don't care. And they're like, well, it's almost 200 pages. And I said, I don't care. Bill me. You know, that hospital picked up, must have been like over $175,000 worth of medical bills. Just gone. Overnight. But the most important detail about this story that has been able to leave me at rest is hoping that the woman that I saw after that first attorney's visit that I met at Walgreens she's pregnant very pregnant and she was just sitting there staring at the diapers and I went looking for diapers my ex-husband and my daughter were in the car you know she was on oxygen um, so she, it was quite difficult to get her out, carry the tank, and keep her comfortable. And on this one outing, he was with me and in the car with her while I ran in to get diapers. Um, she, this woman was just... She was stuck. It's like someone pushed pause. And I can't actually say what it was that made me say hello. I'm sure it was some kind of awkward joke that I would have thrown out there because I'm good at those. Like, awkward situation, awkward joke. Like, let me break the ice at my expense. (laughs) But there was something so sad about her. And that spoke to me too. And it was something I couldn't ignore. And um, we started speaking. And she said something that resonated deeply. Like she never thought she'd have kids. But here she was pregnant. And they considered her to be old and they were pushing her to have a c-section because of how old she was and I gotta tell you when she said it I was I just kind of looked at her like have you really thought about what you just said I want to say she was 34 
advanced fetal maternal age, they call it, right? (laughs) Oh, gosh. I looked at her and I said, you have every opportunity. If a natural birth is what you want, then that's what you have to tell them. And you are your baby's biggest advocate. And, um, you know, she told me the story of how she got her OBGYN. And it was just, (laughs) you know, her husband knew her partner or her husband's partner was his wife was an OBGYN. And that's the only reason and I just got this very weird feeling. And I looked at her and I said, my daughter is sitting in the car on an oxygen tank with pulmonary hypertension, premature duct disclosure. Like, I told her all of these things that was happening to my daughter not any fault of my own, which I did take as my fault. Like, I took it to the deepest parts of myself and I thought it was something I did wrong. But she just was supposed to come out when she was ready and they kept telling me to hold on until the doctor showed up. 6.42 on a Sunday evening. She didn't show up until 8.15 the next morning. That was the first time she stepped in. And if you know anything about insurance, you can't actually have a baby until the doctor steps into the room. Tell me what about that sentence makes any kind of sense. That is direct harm To me and my unborn child. The night before, they knew that she had a bowel movement inside of me. Like, that put her in distress before midnight. So she had been in there all that time. She took her first breath inside of me. That happens once they come out. If that Gives you any kind of picture. And I know this is weird to talk about. But this is a messed up situation. And this is just one of the many things that I have had to deal with. Because of a statute of limitations. Instead of someone stepping up and addressing the real problem. You don't want to do your job? Fine. You shouldn't have it. And if there's a report of multiple times of this happening... You definitely should be behind bars. So this woman that I met just around the corner looking for diapers. Would you believe that it was the same doctor? The same doctor who didn't show up that pressured me into talking Not talking about my birth plan because it would jinx me into a C-section. Who says that? I looked at this woman 
And I just looked at her and I said, please get a different doctor. And when the three-year statute of limitations passed on her third, on my daughter's third birthday, I sat outside and I said, you know, if the only thing to come out of this was her finding a different doctor, that would be okay with me. And I would face any kind of hardship with my daughter that I needed to face. And I did. And we have. And so happy and I feel seen that I have only ever wished for her health to be restored as any other child would have and she's actually healed like she doesn't have pulmonary hypertension anymore. You know, she stopped having to wear oxygen. Um, you know, the oxygen did not affect her eyesight all these years. Um, I gotta tell you, though, she is a hypochondriac. Like, <laughs> people say all the time, like, oh, they won't remember that. No. Let me tell you, these little people, they remember any kind of thing that is done to them. Like, she does not like going to the doctor. She does not like people touching her. And this is the thing that has progressed throughout her life. Like, out of all the doctors we have seen, all the physical therapists, therapists, occupational therapists, like she had to have all of those therapies as she grew. And to this day, if I tell her we have to go get a checkup, she starts freaking out. And I'm like, Rayan, like no one is going to be touching you. And she goes, I'm just, I'm just so scared, mommy. What if they want me to get a shot? And I was like, that's not going to happen anymore. Like, I am here to advocate for you. And if I tell you they're not going to give you any shots, they're not going to. It's an ongoing cost. What happened all these years ago? does not end after three years because of a statute of limitations. It is a forever pain that never goes away. Because she she never deserved that to begin with. I never deserved any of that. 
I never deserved to feel like I was responsible and then listed in all the medical records as the reason for her problems. What's been taken away? I have a hard time answering that. Because she just didn't take away, almost take away my first daughter. It was the experience of my second daughter. Because it was made very clear that the problem for her complications was me. And that was not true. Um... Which affected how I gave birth to my second. And I wonder all these years, like, oh gosh, what's the cost? You know, I would love nothing more than to have kids, but the right way? Because anyone, really, can get pregnant and have a baby, but what's it like to actually give birth with like the love of your life. To have a partner right there with you. To feel your pain. To give birth to a child. With the real feeling of love. And I, I may never know. <laughs> and I've had to, to give that up. It's painful. <sighs> it's painful because... It's supposed to be the greatest thing. But the truth is, I've always been disconnected from my body. Um, I did get off topic. It's these, it's these things that we don't talk about that just find this space inside of ourselves and find a home because 
Doewood. No one knows how to talk about these things. I mean, you go to a therapist, you let it out for an hour, but what do you do with the rest of the time? And unless you meet another mom, another woman who has experienced this, you just don't talk about it. And so your body kind of takes this feeling and just finds a place for it until, I don't know, you're finding yourself talking to your phone about this very real experience that never lessens its pain and how... You find yourself thinking about these things that you want for yourself, but you can't ever, you don't ever think you're going to get to that place where you're worthy of it. I mean, you have to believe in a higher power to just get to this place because yeah I mean I can find whoever um, but <laughs> it doesn't work like that I did that the first time and you know we all have our wounds And I realized, you know, I did marry a good person, but it was someone who I considered safe, who I never thought would hurt me. And the longer I ignored my own pain, the more pain it created. Until it was destructive. Destructive for me. Destructive for him. Most definitely destructive. In the environment we were creating for our kids. And I pulled from that. Making the right decisions. Making the hard decisions for the right reasons. And it only took everything I'd known and established to deteriorate around me. Like, literally, my house was falling apart from the inside out. You could walk up to the outside, think it was okay. But if you were to step inside, it was chaos and destruction. With two little tiny angels like running around and it was hard it's been hard but here we are and it's taught me so much about our resiliency 
like we can come back from these things. But you have to try. Have faith. Have hope. Because if you don't have those things, what are you doing? So I, I really wanted to get to the core of the problem as to why I started this podcast. But it seems like today this is the episode about the birth of my first daughter. And while there are many things that have happened, it's bringing me closer to talk about where I am today. There's so many tying factors like the statue of limitations. That three-year statue of limitations in South Carolina and I'm sure other states, but You know, it's all, you know, I pray and meditate about these things that I'm supposed to talk about and the relevancy, and it doesn't actually hit me until I'm talking about them and, what, 46 minutes in and hoping that it makes sense. Three years. How fast does three years go by? How fast does it go by when you're busy trying to keep your head above water? That's what it's been. Trying to keep my head above water. That or trying to hold my breath underwater waiting for the air to run out it shouldn't be this hard it shouldn't be this hard for anybody so as I get closer to talking about the real problem yeah, like, there's a lot of injustice. I'm just one person who happens to be a veteran. Pain in the asses as we may be, you know. Aren't we, you know, Shouldn't we be the foundation of what this country is? Our voices matter. Our stories matter. The injustice matters because we feel it deeply. We feel it deeper, more so. Because there's always a cost. And we recognize that cost. So this is another episode. It's Lady Jane Unknown. 
I appreciate you listening. And know that those deep wounds you keep inside, don't keep them there. You got to let them out or it'll eat you. You know, the word dis-ease, disease, it's dis-ease in the body. And I've spent a long time trying to figure out how to stop disease in this body so I could be around for my children. So I hope by letting all of this out, it lessens the disease. Thank you. Bye. Hey, this is Lady Jane Unknown. Currently sitting in front of my fireplace. And just reflecting on the last few days. And I had one of those moments yesterday of hanging out with a veteran friend. Um, awesome guy, different generation, but yeah, there's such insightful conversation to be had, especially, especially when we were just sitting and listening in his amazing music room. Um, (laughs) he has... The most amazing stereo, um, and it's all linked together. And his music, you know, the span of what he listens to is just so open. Um, it was refreshing that, you know, he's, he's listening for the message And that's what I've really gotten from music. I have not been able to hear. I don't actually know how long. Um, I can tell you I had surgery on my ear. On my left ear at this point. uh, Because I realized the hearing aids were not cutting it. And waiting on the VA to acknowledge my worsening hearing loss. (laughs) It's like you know, beating a dead horse. So I got ear surgery and it was intense. Um, It is not an easy surgery to recover from because the world that I couldn't hear came in at full blast and you want to talk about something that can just knock you on your ass and it's too much. Um, That's how I felt. When you have smaller kids, it's also... It was a lot. Um, Which is why I've not gotten surgery on my other ear. Because honestly, it would take me down. Um, But let me back up a little bit. 
one of the first things I noticed after the ear surgery is that I had been listening to music. Some of my favorite bands for, oh gosh, I couldn't even tell you since high school, some of it early 2000s, and it's like I never actually heard the music. I thought I knew all the words, but I was singing them wrong the whole time. Um, and I didn't even care, like, because I thought that was what it was. And it just made me fall to my knees when I finally heard all of the things that I was missing. These amazing lyrics and the story they're trying to, to tell us. Um, yeah, and I, I couldn't help but be grateful, you know, to, to who I believe in, which is, you know, I don't, a higher power, um, God, Yahuwah, uh, whatever name you want to give him, it's not in the masculine form, but it's a higher power. Um, so when I listen to music now, I actually pull up the lyrics so that way what I'm hearing matches the actual words. Because I also realized English was never my first language. So it is difficult to interpret the meaning of words when I've learned them wrong. Um, So, yeah, music is this, like, whole new world. (laughs) I hear Aladdin in the background. Um, And sometimes just the song will come across and it, It's so fitting because, you know, in the absence of words from people, sometimes you can feel it through the music. And I don't know if that's going to make a whole lot of sense at this point, but Yesterday, I was sitting there listening to music I had never even heard. And I said to my friend, do you ever feel like an imposter? And you know, his response back to me just... It was like a different message that I needed to receive from him. And I was sitting there thinking, how do I keep living my life and just resetting who I am? That I don't ever let people get close enough to really know me and all of the things 
that have made me who I am. And what I used to think was, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and honestly, over these last, most recent years, I don't like being around a lot of people because I am so often triggered by the smallest things that I feel out of place and I feel like it's recognizable to the wrong energy. It's like, oh, you're, you're a bad person. All right. Well, I'm apparently holding up my sign to attract you to me. That's how it's felt. And, but I kind of took it as a different you know, per se, revelation yesterday of I don't change my stripes. Meaning, I am who I am despite the things that have happened. It hasn't changed how I... I'm compassionate towards people, empathetic. Um, maybe it's made me more so that way. Because it seems as the generations have gone on, the worse it's gotten. So I keep hiding myself. Every time someone triggers me. And here recently, it's it's really pissed me off because <clears throat> I'm a member of, you know, a group. I don't know if you have it in your area, but it's Vets Helping Vets. And I went to this group that it started up earlier this year. I'd been wanting to go, but my schedule didn't. It didn't happen. But I finally did go. And my response was, is there an issue that I'm a female, a part of this group? <laughs> and they're like, no. I said, okay, I just want to ask. I don't want any issues. Because um, that is an issue with other VA organizations um, I've realized that they like to keep the different wars separate especially keeping the women who are actually a part of those wars separate from other males and it's always bothered me um But honestly, I wonder if I have just been <laughs> almost like afraid to fully embrace who I am and say, fuck you to the people 
who crossed the line. Um, because, you know, I'm supposed to be proper all the time. I'm supposed to, you know, be X, Y, and Z, and, oh man, hasn't that just been all programming to, to some shit we have endured in the military? Like, I am affected by different interactions with disrespectful people. Not, you know, I can take disrespect. You know, move about my business. You know, it is what it is. It has nothing to do with me. And that speaks volumes. Because I've learned how people treat you has nothing to do with you. But in fact, how they feel about themselves. And I'm thinking on a recent thing that happened. I was at the dentist and, you know, after all these years of fighting... Um, I will tell you, my appeal is still waiting to be reviewed by a judge on multiple things. But I got to 100% because of all the other complications that I'm experiencing. So I can get my teeth cleaned. I can get my dental caught up. Um, first of all, I think that's a should be a basic human right. We all need teeth and we should all be able to have our teeth looked at as veterans. It's It makes me so angry that that is not a basic necessity for us. But I digress. Um so I went to the dentist and there was a mix up with my regular dentist. Um, so they said, we have another. Um, and he's he's the one that's going to be working on you today. And after I realized they weren't being honest with me about they misscheduled the appointment. Because I had been sitting there for 30 minutes waiting to be seen. And... Eventually, I go back to the room, and there's this younger dentist. Um, I get into the chair, very polite, um, and he he said, you know, he was going to be doing something that I knew was not why I scheduled the appointment immediately. I just kept saying, it, no, it's the lower right, ha- right hand, you know, it's a cracked filling. And this, you know, I'm going to call him a kid because uh, there's a couple different reasons why this triggered me. So, so, per- like, monumentally 
bothered me is he started to argue with me and he goes, you're not authorized to get that. And I looked at him and I said, everything has been approved in the dental plan. It's been approved from the very beginning. This appointment was to address the cracked filling. And instead of listening to what I said, he got really pissed off and he threw, like he slapped his gloves off and he threw them across the room and stormed out. And the the woman who was in there, it was very uncomfortable. And she had to make a, a template of my mouth for something else. And I started thinking, like, what was it that he did? And then I realized it, I was actually, I had such a, you know, visceral response to, to how he treated me with such disregard. Like what I said didn't matter because him and his position outweighed who I was as like a human being. I also realized the age of this individual. It was the same age Of, you know, the kid who had raped me in Afghanistan. And I've had such a problem dealing with this for so long that I am no longer going to keep it in. Because I'm able to think about why... How my actions makes made sense for, you know, perhaps my survival. You know, after I was raped and I was screaming... In these Connex boxes, you know, the metal boxes that they, oh man, I was just thinking, and I was talking to another veteran about these um, metal Connex boxes and how they sometimes made them look into, made them so amazing that it would seem like you were walking into some kind of palace. Um, The things that they would do with these metal boxes. I said, you know, or then again, it could have been something in the water that (laughs) just made us think they were, you know, outstanding in design. But, you know, we slept in these things. We ate in these things. They were just converted into so many things, right? But we all knew how thin the walls were. And down in the the civilian outpost where we were, there was just a very thin wall. It wasn't a very big compound. 
and I know how loud I was was screaming. Um, like I could hear the guy in the next room. I could hear his TV. So I knew he could hear me. And not one person. Not one person came and So when I kept screaming at the beginning, what did you do? You know, to the the Air Force kid that had chose to do what he did after he ran out I realized at one point that I just kept saying it and I had turned it to myself like what did what did you do to myself realize that if if anyone found out I would have a permanent mark on me so when it was used against me I think this is the part that I've always struggled with Like, how could I, how could I let this happen? (sighs) Instead of an apology, I was hit with, you know, you liked it and, um, You know, if you don't, if you don't do what I want, you have a very long time left here. You know, And I realized that any kind of hell that I had come from, you know, from my prior duty station, I had just stepped into a whole reality of something much worse than I could have ever imagined. And I have started talking about this. I did, um, I did share it, you know, all the details once with a friend and she turned around and she said, I don't think you realize what you did was 
you didn't let him take your power. And I looked at her and I didn't understand. I said, what do you mean? Like he violated me in the worst ways. She goes, but you didn't give him what he wanted. I was so scared of getting pregnant. <laughs> so the body and the mind will do what it, it needs to do to protect itself. It's stuff like this that I've had to keep inside and it has eaten me alive that people can be so vile, so horrible and think there is no consequence for their actions. Like I said, I will not break and I will bend to unmeasurable amounts because I, I am not evil. I know who I belong to and I just keep thinking, how many other women have done the same things to survive? And I don't think I ever would have put it that way before because I never chose to look at it. Like how horrible the situation was for what? You know, like Somewhere in scripture, I think, it says that our suffering is, it's, it comes with a time frame. Oh. Seems like I've lived most of my life in these time frames. Just one battle after the next. You know, after that dentist, you know, did what he, chose to respond to me how he did, I realized that I'm always going to feel like this until I speak up and tell him why it matters what he did was wrong. Now, obviously, the guy is an asshole, all right? He's a little high up on his horse because I don't know why. But as I sat there crying while I was, I had this alginate shoved into my mouth, like, 
this woman just kept apologizing to me. And I said, after, you know, I got this stuff out of my mouth, I said, you have nothing to apologize for. It is not your job to apologize for his actions. And I realized I needed to say something because he had really just disarmed me in how he treated me. So I went and I said something and I asked for him to come into the room with, you know, the office manager who was working that day. And, you know, she says, you know, maybe you said something to upset him. And I looked at her and I said, I really would feel comfortable if you brought him in here so he could be a part of this conversation. I said, because I can tell you everything he did was wrong. And I said, nothing I could have ever said should have elicited a response to what I got, how he treated me. I said, his job is customer service first. I said, you have veterans coming through here because you're an approved facility. I said, do you have many female combat veterans coming through here and she goes we have some and I said and I left it alone because I knew that was a lie there are not many of us we're few in numbers but my experience is not all of their experience and I told her I said he has no right to treat anyone like that And today when I was outside, you know, blowing the leaves, I was thinking, wow, like, I started just trying not to ruminate on it, not to think about it too much, but, you know, I've gone in there to the dentist's office and this guy still has not apologized. Now, it's been brought to my regular dentist. It's been brought to his attention. And it was a very awkward conversation when he brought it up. And he he said, you know, we are a service industry. And this is not how we do business. Um, and he apologized. But it was so awkward when it got brought up that I kind of, my mind went blank. And I just said it was interesting to say the least. And I left it at that. Um... But I I started to think, like, what high horse is he on? Like, you know, that he's a young dentist? Sure. Like, my whole goal with going into the military was to have my college paid for. That was my number two. Number one was to travel. Did I get to go to school? I tried. I really did. But it's impossible to do with two small, tiny humans. Um, And I had to give it up because I realized 
it was taking too much away from them. I wasn't seeing them, and they needed me. They were babies. And honestly, I needed them. <laughs> so sure, you got a degree. Does that make you a better human? No, it doesn't. Because anywhere I go, I try to pe- treat people kindly. Because you never know. <laughs> you never know who you're speaking with. Like, And isn't this a pure example of that? How you should just treat everyone kindly. And when you do run into an asshole... Yeah, you learn, you keep going. You don't have to keep interacting with that that person. And I've realized that recently too. Because I love going to the Vets Helping Vets meeting. And I realize I can't just run away and reset and, you know, hide myself away from a whole group of people that I have enjoyed getting to know. Because of one inappropriate individual. But if I choose to just, you know, leave the group and not say anything, I know he's going to keep doing it to other females who come into the group because he's just that much of a sleazeball, right? And he's old at that. Like, he's really old. And it's just like, do you not see how this is so severely inappropriate? But I guess he needs someone to say it to him. And I will. I will address it, but it's, it's Christmas and I don't, I don't want to miss another Christmas because I get myself worked into all like this stressed up ball of All of these emotions, apparently, that I keep inside and, like, I I blank out and I miss, like, chunks of time. It's like my life is on fast forward right in front of me and I'm, I'm missing it. Like my, my tiny humans are nine and 11. Like I feel like I missed them when they were small. I was just trying to put one foot in front of the other. So, this is the one 
about the dentist, I guess. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I should go see that dentist and say thank you. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, if he hadn't triggered me in that moment, would I have, like, registered these little... these little, you know, nuggets of spiritual growth. I'm so tired of keeping myself to myself. Like, it's uncomfortable for me to keep these things to myself. And I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so what? I just keep suffering in, in myself? Like, no. If you push me to the point, yeah, I'm going to share. Because people should know, right? You know, because we're all, you know, really amazing people. And the things that have happened to us, they don't define us. And the ones who are worth it will still love you regardless. Because they won't see those things. We'll see the person who you are today. And what makes you that amazing kick-ass person, right? Like my friend, my veteran friend who loves music. He has a lot. <laughs> he has a lot to... A lot of wisdom to impart to because he is who he is he doesn't care you know him and his husband are great people and I think we're similar because we may be similar perhaps because he's had to hide who he has always been until he got to the point where he said he didn't he didn't care anymore. He was tired of just not being himself. So when I asked him if he ever felt like an imposter, I'm sure that resonated with him on a whole level that I didn't think about. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope this encourages you to put those internal struggles and burdens, just put them down. Uh, 
I'm like hearing this thing that I read once be unapo- be unapologetically you <laughs> yeah so here's to that cheers talk to you soon bye